It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes and multiple opportunities for you to weigh in on the program. You give us a ring at 201-939-4513. Can't get to the phones? You can use Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we have some news with respect to the NFL schedule that we will be delving into, and we'll also get a little bit more into the draft class. So multiple opportunities and topics for you to delve into over these next 60 minutes. But, Jeff, let's start with the big news. And Mm -hmm. this morning, the NFL announced the international slate for the schedule. Next Thursday, we're going to learn the entire schedule for everybody, but they're going to have five games overseas. Three games are going to be in London, Viking Saints on October 2nd, then the Giants are going to visit the Packers on October 9th, followed by the Broncos and the Jaguars on October 30th, and then they're going to have a game in Germany between the Seahawks and the Bucks on November 13th, and then rounding it out, they'll head to Mexico City for the Niners and the Cardinals on November 21st. So they're expanding because this will be the first ever game played in Munich in Germany, but let's of course focus on the Giants. This is the third time that they are heading to London, and coincidentally, Jeff, you Mm -hmm. took part in the the very first game, correct, when the Giants beat the Dolphins 13-10 to on October 28, 2007. Then they played the Rams in 2016, and they beat them as well 17-10. to So this is another unique opportunity for the Giants. Remember, they're rotating teams, so you figured sooner rather than later yeah. the Giants were going to have their names called once again. But I think what's interesting is there's a little bit earlier in the season, Jeff, because this game is going to be played on October 9th, which means they're also going to have a very Uh-oh. early bye Uh-oh. because they— they usually get time off right after they go overseas. Yeah, and I tell you what, you know, you as a player, you look at that. And remember, do you remember this, Lance? That schedule has come out later and later and later sure. every year. It used to be in April. Uh, we kind of had an idea of when the, the schedule was. But, but yeah, back on that. So, you know, as a player, you really, if we hit it perfectly, it would be right in the middle of the season, right? So you get play eight games and then maybe takes uh, right in the middle of it and gets get a little bye week and then you got the rest of the season. But for the Giants, this is going to be, you know, roughly, what are you talking, um, two weeks in? So probably around nine, nine, ten weeks straight then? Is that what it would kind of? Yeah, because I looked up, not to cut you off, Jeff, and I'll let you continue. Yeah. I looked up the schedule from last year and we don't know exactly where the starting point is, but October 9th was the equivalent of week five. Oh in the boy. NFL regular season. So now season. that's 12 weeks. Yeah, so week six is going to be your bye, and mm-hmm. then you're going to go all the way from week seven to week 18 mm-hmm. straight without any interruption. Yeah, that's a lot, and I think that's a lot that, you know, because of injuries and all kinds of things like that. So that's, um, you know, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Some, You know, you look at... <laughs> Somebody's like got to be the The Giants <laughs> had their bye late last year, if I remember. They did, uh, correctly. Yeah. So I think that, you know, every year it just changes. I, you know, I, I like to go to London... And I would only like I would have liked to do it just once. And now that I can say we did it, that was great. And by the way, that was the first game of the international series that they ever did. It was against uh, the Dolphins when we played Correct. in 07. So that was really cool. Um, I did not particularly like how we just because I liked going over there, London. I liked playing in Wembley Stadium. I liked all of that stuff. But I will tell you, it was it was a grind, and it is a grind because you know they're five six hours ahead of us over there so you have to travel in the middle of the night you get there i remember we got into the hotel we went back to sleep <laughs> everybody they said <laughs> check in go back to your rooms for three or four hours get some sleep and then we went to practice um so that was just the players everybody else in the organization had to go set up sure. over for the practice facility and everything like that and and i remember the worst part of that trip the worst part of the trip was the traffic and getting in the buses and going out to where uh, Manchester United practices. That's where we played. That's where we had our practices at, which was really cool, by the way. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things to look at and, and enjoy while you're over there, while you're concentrating on trying to win a football game. 
but it is a lot of it is a lot of work. It's a lot of travel. It is a lot of time change. And I remember we went over on a Friday. I think it was. We ended up leaving Thursday night, and then we got in there on Friday, Saturday, and then played and then came back on the next day. So um, it was it was kind of a rough go. And but I will tell you, it's it's fun. Those fans over there are they're rabid. They're just they love football, and it's good for the NFL. And I think that. You know, once again, you see Jacksonville is in there. I think they play every year over there. Pretty much, um, yes. So, but it is a lot of fun. Now, going to Germany, that would be that would be kind of cool. And um, the only thing I do remember about this, Lance, and then I'll I'll stop, then I'll shut up about this. No, no is it years <laughs> before, back in the in the early late '80s, early '90s, when I was in the league, they started all this overseas football games, and um, we went over to play in Tokyo, and we played really? the New Orleans Saints. And the Tokyo Dome, but was that preseason, Jeff, or regular there season? There was this was preseason, preseason, now. yeah. And so we went over there, and remember, baseball is big over in Tokyo. Football is not. So we went over to the Tokyo Dome, where it was a baseball field made into a football field. And I'll never forget the <laughs> the, the locker rooms that we stayed in was literally like to the side, and there was dirt on the ground. <laughs> It was like, you've got to be like today, you could never imagine something like that happening in the National Football League with all the money that they have. But this was crazy. And I do remember getting on a plane. And now that was a that was a long trip. That was 15 hours on a plane. And uh, I remember we took off from Tokyo after the game and the guys knew going there how much of a pain in the neck it was going um, because we had to go there and prepare. And so coming back, we had already played the game, and we knew we kind of had some time off a little bit. So guys wanted to party a little bit. And I remember we were on this bus going to the hotel, to the to the airport after the game. And the bus driver was getting hounded by these people to pull over. We pulled over to like a what would be like a rest stop. And they had these vending machines that, that had beer in them. And I remember you put in these, the, the, everybody's trying to shell out all the money that they collected over there because they weren't going to be able to use it anymore. And they're putting them in these vending machines and these big, huge, like, I mean, like huge pints of Japanese beer is coming out of these things. It was hilarious. <laughs> and we, we drained that, that vending machine, had nothing left in it. Took all the beers, and we just got actually smashed on the, on, the, on the bus going so we all could sleep on the plane. And I'll never forget this. Because it knocked was, yourself out, it, This was hilarious. Yeah. So I ended, up, um, I ended up going up into the first-class cabin, and disappearing. And what I did was there was a coat closet that had this really, we were on a huge plane, right? They had this coat closet that could hold like 100 coats. But on the ground, it was just like you could lay out. And I just ended up going in that closet, putting my ja- everything out on the ground, and slept for like eight hours on the ground. And in no that one closet. bothered you. No at one all. knew I was in wow. there. Nobody knew nothing. But I, you know, I had I had down like what's a Kieran beer, whatever it was. I down like three of those pints. I was gone. I was just good night. <laughs> and I ended up sleeping the whole time. And we ended up landing in Philadelphia an hour before we left. <laughs> so I got an hour extra in my life that day. I guess so. Wow. Cool. Yeah. But you know bottom line is it's fun for the players and and again with the giants organization they've been over there a couple of times so they know you know the whole in and outs of doing this but uh back to your point it is will it will be a long ways after they get back from there and have a bye and then they got to go the rest of the uh the rest of the season yeah and that to me is one of the most interesting elements in play but you do bring up a good point this is not their first rodeo jeff mm-hmm. so members of the organization who have been here for a few coaching staffs understand the logistics of what needs to yeah. be taken care of business but i don't know if you remember jeff i'm trying to recall you mentioned your experience in traveling in 07 why do i feel like in 16 that they left a little bit earlier in the week they and have. spent a few days. I yeah. could be mistaken, yeah. but I feel as if they decided to go out there earlier. Now, Back 2016, so that would have been McAdoo's first season. Mm-hmm. So I feel as if McAdoo and the coaching staff decided to go out there a little bit earlier in the week, maybe like on a Tuesday, and they had a few practices And then obviously they came back after the game. The reason I'm bringing that up is because I've seen teams do what you went through in 07. Mm -hmm. They go out there the latest possible day and then make it a quick trip and then come back. But they leave at a time, to your point, that allows them to adjust to the time difference as opposed to spending an entire week and then you're away from the facility, you're away from the film room, because you got to bring all that equipment with you the longer you're out there in terms of everything that you may need to operate. So I think that's why a lot of teams who have gone out there recently, they're going later and later to avoid having to bring all of that extra equipment with them. Yeah, and I think that because of you know 07 to 21 – you know, a lot of history in there and a lot of, uh, 
a lot of questions can be answered by some of these staffs that call other people and say, hey, what was your best experience? What day did you go out? What did you bring? What you didn't you bring? What would you have done? What, what would you wouldn't have done? So I think there's a lot of banter back and forth as far as that, trying to perfect it. But I think all in all, in 07, that was Coughlin. Coughlin was not going to let his team go out to London for a week. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> no way. That's just is not that's not going to happen. So he controlled it by us leaving on Thursday night. I think we literally left at like 9 o'clock at night, got in Friday morning, slept, practiced, and then had a normal Friday and had a normal Saturday walkthrough with meetings and then the game on Sunday. So I think that uh, you know that was fine with him. He didn't care. He didn't want his whole team there the whole week. And I don't blame him for feeling that way. Like I said, I think if you ask most coaching staffs, I think if they have the choice, they would probably pull for Thursday or Friday to travel out there. Because, once again, I don't think you want to take away your team from your home facility if you have a routine. I mean, Jeff, we yeah. talked about well, this we on about the show. Routine. Yeah. Right, routine. Football players and routine go hand in hand. That's why we always talk about when players retire, it's weird because you're so used to having a laid-out schedule months upon months of the year, whereas now all of a sudden you have to create your own schedule. So I would think if you're a coach, if you can avoid doing that, yeah. that to me is what I would pull for much more so than the other options. Yeah, I think it also probably depends on your team too. You know, how young sure. your team is, uh, the veterans' presence in there, and I think that all goes into effect. Do, do we know that the – I would imagine the, the Buffalo has played – You know what? Um, I'm looking that up as you speak. You and I, Jeff, we're thinking <laughs> like – I'm looking right now at the entire international schedule <laughs> to see if Brian Dable yeah. was involved with another team. That's or, exactly or what I'm doing when, right now. Or even when uh, Joe Shane was with Miami. Um, sure. I, I, maybe he went over That's there. That's another good point. And, yeah. um, you know, so some of that kind of things, but – uh, I but I think Dable has a little bit more right. weight given the yes. fact that he'll be handling more of the day-to-day yeah. operations yep. from that standpoint. Yep, absolutely. But it'll be fun. I think the the fans will like it. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people around here that go over for the game because it is kind of a you know a nice way to go over and see London. October won't be that bad over there. Um, a little bit rainy, but it shouldn't be too, too cold. And it'll be good for uh, you know the fans to go over across the pond and watch their team play. It'll Especially be a against fun the Packers. Yeah. Against the Packers. It'll be a good Correct. game. A good matchup. Yeah. Exactly. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, two teams that certainly are going to have plenty of storylines connected to them, regardless of what time of the season it is. And it's also important to note, not that this was hidden or anything, but the Giants are going to be the road team. So it's a Green Bay home game, mm. this London contest. And the Giants, once again, like they've been in the previous two trips, it'll be a road contest for them. It's funny because I don't know if there's really an advantage to any of the home or visitor teams. Over I don't there think there is either. I no, you know what it is? The advantage is you either get an additional home game that you still have oh, left you on go. your schedule, right? There, Versus you sacrifice one. That to me is the biggest yes. difference there, Jeff. Well, the Giants are going to get an extra home game. I, I do remember going over there. There is a, you know, it's, it's, it's littered with teams across the NFL jerseys, people in the stands. Oh yeah. And it's, it's really kind of cool to look at. And, um, you know, what was great is after the game, we were able to do whatever we wanted, believe it or not. And um, I had some friends of mine from uh, friends and family that were over there. We ended up taking the, is it called the tube? I think the yes, tube I out so. of the, it's called the tube. Yeah, out yep. of the Wembley Stadium and back into the city or wherever we went. But we ended up taking the, you know, what would be the subway, basically. But it was kind of cool. It was, just, it was a good experience. Wait, so Jeff, I, how much longer after the game did you <clears throat> hang around then in London? One day. We left the next day. One day. Okay, so you yeah. left the next day. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. We went back to the hotel, stayed that night, and then we ended up leaving, I, I want to say, like 9 in the morning to go back, give or take an hour or so. But, but at least we got, um, remember, they're five hours ahead of us there. So, you know, you got back at a decent time on Monday, had, had Tuesday off. And I can't remember if they... They must have packed our uh, our bye week after that, I would imagine. I know? would assume you did. I mean, but, I'll look it up right now. Yeah. And, and by the way, while I do that, on a related note, I looked it up, and I may have missed one here or there, but I think I was pretty careful. I don't believe Brian Dable has ever taken part in an overseas game, Jeff, to answer your question. Okay. I looked at every single one of his teams. And remember, they started in 07, so his first stint with New England doesn't matter. But the Jets, the Browns, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the wow, Bills. you would think there's somewhere right? in there. You would think, and none of them went overseas in any of the years that he was an assistant. That's all. Well, listen, I, I think, that, like I said before, there's a lot of experience around in the building here that will help him. Um, and, of course, he knows a lot of people around the NFL that he can talk to about uh, the ins and outs of going over there. So it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Now, you had a bye week after the Miami game we did, okay. in week nine. That game was week eight. 
and then you were off in week nine. Perfect. And then That's 2016, perfect. this is why we're talking about the bye because you normally always get it unless a team requests and says, hey, we'd prefer not to have it. I think that may have happened once or twice, but mm-hmm. normally once you go overseas, you get the bye week. So in 2016, Jeff, they played the game in week seven against the Rams, and then they had the bye in week eight. So okay. both of those games were pretty much in the same ballpark. This one, though, is going to be a little bit earlier. We're assuming it's going to be week five in that territory, which means, once again, a week six bye. So you're talking about 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, Woo! 18. 18. All the way, without interruption. I was referring to the weeks, obviously, sure. of the season. No, just to prove you can count to 18. Correct. Well, I know there was some skepticism in terms of the audience, so I feel very proud of myself. I can pat myself on the back. I counted effectively from 7 through 18 without interruption. It's amazing the baby steps that we make on this program. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, listen, I think, it, like I said before, it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be exciting, too, when the NFL announces their schedule soon. Um, we kind of we obviously know who the Giants are going to be playing. It's just a matter of where and when and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's always exciting. I remember – Whenever the schedule came out for me, being selfish, I looked at all the cold weather games and where we were going to be inside. That's all I wanted to know, or it was going to be where it was going to be warm, because uh, you know you don't want to. You hate going playing in these uh, games where, like, you know, if you're playing in New York, you want to kind of plan on like, okay, well, maybe we play Indy. We're playing that division that year, you know. And if we're playing Indy, please don't give me the Indianapolis game, the second game of the season. Give it to me the last game of the season or something like that, you know. But um, I like to play those indoor games at the end of the season. But it'll be exciting to, to when it comes out. And, you know, there's a lot of excitement around this building. I was uh, I was in here on uh, last week a lot. And then, of course, after the draft, I have not been in here. Actually, on Saturday I was in here. And we were all on. Yeah, when we did the show. And yeah. uh, but this is the first time back in the building since the draft, and I think there's guys that are relieved, and um, you know, obviously a lot of things happening in the organization, but people are excited about what happened, and I think the the Giants. When we look at this draft, there's a lot of good things that happen. Well, one other thing that I want to hit on with respect to the schedule before we open up the phone lines, Jeff, because you actually just got me thinking when you said when you get the schedule, you look for where the cold weather games are. In addition to the fact that the bye week's going to be early, now that you think about it, if they're playing the Packers in London, that means you do avoid having to go to Lambeau Field. Now, granted, if that game, Jeff, though, was scheduled for October 9th, yeah. let's say it was played at Lambeau, oh, meaning there was no international game, that's probably a good time to go to Lambeau anyway, right? No question. As opposed to time. November or December. Yeah. So maybe, actually, it's not much of an advantage yeah. that you avoid Lambeau because you probably would have wanted to go there on October Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. And even, even Lambeau in early November is fine. You know, it's yeah. just when you get late, late and in the postseason, of course, <laughs> remember that one, uh, then yeah. it gets a little <laughs> bit cold over there. So I, I'll tell you real quickly, um, Jay Feely was our kicker in 07 when we, uh, when we went over to London. Um, I think it was Jay Feely. No, I'm sorry. It was Lawrence. Excuse me. It was yeah. Lawrence. And uh, I remember, remember Wembley is a soccer stadium, obviously. So they were not like nowadays, I think. They or have what it they all, call football. Of or course. what they call but football. Yes. Yeah. But I think, you know, nowadays they, they probably got it all figured out. But back then, the field was horrible. And by the way, it was raining the day that we played there. And so the field was even worse. Um, for football conditions. The guys that play soccer do not weigh 300 pounds. In fact, a lot of them don't even weigh 200 pounds. And so I remember us kicking on the, on the sideline in the net, and we just could not keep our foot in. We were slipping all over the place, and, and, and Lawrence was going nuts. He was absolutely screaming at everybody on the sideline. Like, what is going Because for me, it's a little bit easier to punt in the net. For kicking field goals, you're really putting all of your weight on that left foot, and if you slide... Sure. You're done. And so it was really kind of uh, messed up to the point where we ended up going over uh, over to an area where we thought it was safer. And then I remember the groundskeeper guy coming over to us and saying, you know, in his English accent, like, what are you doing? You're messing up my field here. And I remember Lawrence was like, I don't you know what about your field. We're trying to win a football game here. You know? Did he respond to that? After? <laughs> no, I think he, he just up? walked away. He really did. He, you know, and, and of course, uh, Lawrence has, I think his mother was, was from, from there, um, but she's from London. And, um, you know, so he, he kind of acted like he was one of the <laughs> like people he over was there. owning the ballpark. But I remember that they yes. probably got the field down right, but the field was absolutely a mess that day. It really was. It was absolutely it was horrible. And um, hopefully they got it fixed. Well, Jeff, real quick, though, as a follow-up, because you have me interested, as a holder, though, you said it obviously it impacts 
Lawrence Tynes more in terms of him keeping uh-huh. his footing, but how concerned do you get when the turf is not great from a holder perspective, though? It doesn't really bother me that much, you know, but I'm just, you know, worried about him when he, sli- when he goes to plan. He's going to slide. He's going to slide right into Slide them, right into you know? it, yeah. So, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fine from the holding position, but for kicking, it's tough, and it's because it plays on your mind because you don't know. You're thinking that if I'm going to plant, either punting or kicking, that you're going to, you know, just going to go, you're going to slip. And it kind of alters your technique and everything. So, but I, I don't remember if Lawrence made, you know, what he did that day. But it was all good. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. That is the telephone number. Lance Meadow, Jeff Eagles, with you here Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're reacting to the news that the Giants are going to play the Packers in London on October 9th. The remainder of the schedule will be released next Thursday as the NFL continues to have an event each and every month during the calendar year. Let's open up the lines. Lee is in Atlanta. He gets us going here on BBKL. What's happening, Lee? Hi, Lee. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I wanted to jump in and give my two cents on the draft. I know it's after the fact, but I wasn't able to call in uh, previous previous um, times. All good. Not a problem. I mean, we're still reacting to the draft ourselves, so you haven't necessarily missed the cutoff date. It's okay. <laughs> uh, well, I have, I have two points to make. Um, the second one is really quick, but the first thing I wanted to say is um, when we as fans watch draft coverage, I listen to you guys every day, and um, we're conditioned to look for certain players and think of certain players as good, so when the draft comes out and when teams actually draft who they feel and they know and they research to be good, talented fits for their team, takes us by surprise, and if we don't recognize the names, then we automatically assume that that was a miss or that was a reach, so I tend to trust the professionals. And I looked at a lot of pre-draft stuff on NFL Network. Uh, they did like a whole marathon where they went in previous drafts, and there were so many guys who were unknown back in 1990, and, and they turned out to be Hall of Famers. So you just got to wait and see. Mm-hmm. And uh, trust that the guys that are trained and, and, and supposed to know what they're doing are doing, you know, are going get, to get it right. So I just wanted to put that there, and I wanted to put this out, my second point. Last year's first round, I was pretty sure the Giants wanted to pick uh, Devonta Smith. And I think that was a large consensus. And then the Eagles jumped us. And when they jumped us, we proceeded to trade back. And we traded back, and that turned out to work in our favor now, hindsight 2020. But Kadarius Tony fell to us. And at the time, I was like, that looks like a settle. Who's this guy? I don't know who he is. Tony had an up and down year. But fast forward second round this year what do you guys think about the possibility that the Giants were targeting Christian Watson and then Green Bay hopped in front of them took Watson and as a reaction the Giants probably thought Robinson was a good player that they targeted but they knew that at 36 that wasn't good value so they said let's get back as far as we can knowing the Robinson kid will still be there and let's pick up Well, I'll tell you why I don't buy any of that, Lee, is because when Joe Shane spoke to the media, and once again, we can only go based on what he said. Mm -hmm. He said that those trades were laid out before the second round even began. So if you use your logic, you're assuming that they're reacting to what's happening in real time with the picks. And if he already had discussions prior to the second round, then clearly they weren't thinking or worried about a team getting ahead of them to take a specific player. That means that they were prepared to have a group of players ready if they were willing to move back not once, but twice. I hear you. And this goes back to what Lynn, in reaction to what you said, and I agree with Lynn from yesterday which is two totally different things, but Joe is sharp. There's one thing I like about him. He seems very sharp, very sharp. I watched all his interviews, all the ones that I have access to. I don't know what else you could say if, if my scenario is true, and I'm pretty sure you have contingencies because you spent weeks doing this. Like I said, these are the pros. But, I mean, it's, it's possible. I just don't think you trade backwards when you are trying to pick best player available or even for need. You take who you want at that spot unless that person turns out to not be there. Then you have to go with a contingency plan. But if the plan is to trade back from the start, then my thing is why not do that 
before the draft happens, before the second round happens. If you do it in the moment, it seems reactionary, but that's just my thought. Mm-hmm. Well, but once again, and we yeah. appreciate the phone call, Lee. We'll let you go on that note. But, Jeff, it goes back to what I said. Yeah, I understand exactly. where the call is coming from. But, I mean, once again, the Packers, just so our listeners understand, they took Christian Watson with the 34th overall pick of the second round. Mm-hmm. And then the Jets wound up moving into the Giants spot at 36. Which was crazy. Correct. And then the Giants then wound up moving out of 38 because they swapped spots with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I understand you're not hearing the trade announced until after the Packers make the pick. But once again, most of these conversations happen before the round even starts, Jeff, especially since if it's one thing, if the Giants were picking like 15th or 18th into the second round, I understand maybe it's a little premature to be having those trades laid out. But the Giants were picking, as well as the Jets, relatively high in the second round. So it's understandable if Joe Shane wanted to get ahead and have those conversations before the round even started. I I just believe that they they have their players that they want and ranked them. And I think that that they wanted Wandell Robinson, and we talked about this yesterday, Lance. We we figured that this this draft was really all about the coaches kind of getting players that they feel are going to fit in their in their offense or defense. And so I think that Wandell Robinson, when when they kind of knew going into this that these teams wanted to trade up, just I, I would tell you this from uh, Dane Brugler from the Athletic has his you know, the, he puts out this beast. I went through it the other day, and I was looking, I was tearing out the pages of all the draft picks. So that I have him. Wondell Robinson was a 14th rated wide receiver in this class. Okay, so I he, I think the Giants knew he was going to be there when they wanted to, and I think that you know it goes to back what you were saying. I think this was all laid out before, right? And so I think that you know they did a, they get a good thing, and I almost I and I tend to believe this. I think that these were set in motion before, but I feel going forward. The philosophy, and this could be totally off, Lance. I don't know, but the philosophy was: I'm going to go ahead and grab a bunch of, a bunch of extra picks here, Bingo. and maybe be able to pile them, to move up to get a player that I want because I'm not particularly really enthusiastic about all the sixth and seventh rounders that I. Those are basically free agents when you talk about players that are chances of making the team. But maybe you can just unload a bunch of picks to a team that's tro- that wants those types of picks to try to get one other player. But it didn't happen. I was surprised that the Giants took all 11 of their draft picks, you know, because I thought they were going to package a couple um, on Saturday to be able to move up and get somebody, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I'm with you, especially since we were having also conversations before the draft, the likelihood of all 11 making the 53-man roster. I said that I don't know if that's going to be likely, (laughs) so I'm with you, Jeff. And and here's the other thing that I wanted to add related to what you just said, Jeff, and this is where I disagree with the last caller saying that when you trade back – more often than not, it's because a player you were interested in is not there anymore. I actually don't think that's the only logic. I think, Jeff, it goes back to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. More often than not, sometimes you trade back because you can get more assets. You can get more resources. And, you and can the get Giants wound up, Yeah, the Giants wound up landing an extra fourth and an extra fifth from those two drop-downs. So sometimes it's more of that than necessarily, mm-hmm. oh, no, somebody stole a player that we were extremely interested in. This is a new team a new organization as far as the, you know, the coaches and the GM and those types of things. And we, I've said it before, new eyes, new guys. So this team to the, the, you know, the one going into the draft, Joe Shane wanted as many new eyes as he could get in players. And so this is what happened. He got 11 of them. All right. Think you divide 11 into 53, if you want, um, or 11 and 90 there, you know, there's, there's the beginning of the transition of building your new football team, and it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team that were from the old organization, and I said this yesterday. You're going to have to prove to this new coach and GM that you're, you have the ability to stay, and that'll happen. There'll be players here that'll stay that are from the old organization, but, you know, all in all, there is going to be a lot of different faces on this football team in the next two years, 100%. Absolutely, it's going to go in. It's going to be a turnstile, back and forth. They're going to get their guys because, remember this: the guys that were on this roster, they played for a different offense and defense. Now, now you got new coaches that are going to have a new offense and a new defense. The guys that were here, can they fit into these types of situations and these types of schemes and offense and defense? They may not, and they, you know, that's why they're going to be gone because they're just not a good fit. 
and their viewpoint of these players could also be very different in terms of their evaluation because, remember, they don't have any allegiance to anyone on the roster because Joe Shane and Brian Dable were not responsible for bringing in, and I'm talking about last year and the years prior, any Mm -hmm. of those draft picks and any of those free agents. It's only anyone that came to the team starting in free agency up to this point. That's the only players that they have ties to because they had influence in terms of bringing them into the organization. Remember this too. Those guys were together the last two years up in Buffalo. Most of the young players on this roster that are three years old, two years old, they know them. They interviewed them. They, they they, they, They ranked them. They were in, you know what I'm saying? So they know who these guys are. It's not like there's a 10-year veteran on this team that the guys don't – they know who he is because he's a 10-year veteran. But most, most likely, the last couple years that those that Joe Shane and Brian Dable were up in New York the, with the Buffalo is the fact that they evaluated a lot of the guys that are on this roster now. They know who they are. And some of them are like, I didn't really like that guy. You know, I mean, <laughs> he was. <laughs> I'm not going to take him here. I mean, the Giants had him on the roster, but I, we didn't think much of him, so goodbye. That's what's going to happen. I mean, that's just the nature of the NFL and how the cycle plays out, too. If you look at other teams when they have a turnover rate and they bring in a new GM and a new head coach. Let's head back to the lines. Tim is in Charleston joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff. What's happening, Tim? Hey, guys. Good to talk to you again. I got a a couple of quick points. First one's just my opinion. And, you know, you you can comment, but you don't have to. It's just, you know, the way I feel is after all the talk and, you know, about the second round, it was obviously a little surprising to most of us. But, you know, I feel like they have a vision for what they want to do, and I'm going to trust it and just try to be as optimistic as possible. Mm -hmm. They know what roles they want, what guys to fit in. So that being said, my second comment is kind of a specious one. Remember when Joe Shane first got hired? He inadvertently said when they asked him about coming to the Giants with two first-round picks, he said, yeah, he said, I'm looking forward to coming here and making all 11 picks. And we only had nine because they had traded a couple of them away. I don't know if you guys remember that. but oh, I, I remember that comment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, that could have so, been a slip so, of the tongue type of scenario, too. Yeah, or he may uh, not have uh, realized obviously. that one or two of them were traded, obviously. Right, right, obviously. But then he made, he made right on it, so he made himself correct with his mistaken <laughs> comment in the beginning. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so, 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 Tim, are, are you yeah. one of those that goes and revisits old press conferences? Is that what you're saying to pat people on the back? Is that what you do? No, I, I just I just have a stupid memory. It's a, it's a blessing <laughs> and a curse. Um, but anyway, so the third thing is, and you guys both kind of touched on it now, you know, is this international game. Uh, I'm just glad, one, that it wasn't one of our home games. It's good. We have nine this year, so I'm glad we didn't get one going over there because obviously there's no real distinct home field advantage when you go overseas. And, you know, obviously Green Bay is uh, is, you know, the superior team, at least at First glance, clearly. So maybe it just slightly levels the playing field a little more than having to go to Lambeau, even though it would have been good weather at that time of year. So that's it. And the last thing I have is a question. Again, it goes back to Joe Shane. Before the draft, he said, we just want to get a list of seven guys that we like. And if we do that, we'll be happy. Well, after the draft, he said they had six guys they really liked. And if they were all gone, they might have traded that seventh pick, right? So that didn't happen. So clearly... Um, uh, Neil and Aquanu were in that six. Now I'm going to make I'm going to make an assumption. It might be a little bit, you know. Well, how do you uh, know Aquanu was in that group, though? How do you know that? Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm going on that assumption because if he wasn't, then they would have picked Neil at five, right? So I mean, uh, that's all. So well, no, it could have. Well, I mean, but it could have been Cross though. Cross and okay. Neil could have been the two guys. Well, the they smoke were show was Cross when you look at that, it. Well, yeah, I mean, that, it's just that, I, I think you're making a very fair. big assumption, Tim. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so that's fair. So two of the linemen. Let's can we we'll agree on that. Two of the linemen were in the six. So now, just that being said, and obviously Tibbs was one of them. So they get the linemen at seven. They got Tibbs at five. Four guys were picked in front of them, but that means that one of those four guys who were picked in front of them weren't in that six. So my hypothetical question is. Which one was it? Was it Stingley? Was it Trayvon Walker? I was just curious about that. I was thinking, I wonder who, which guy who was picked in the first four he didn't consider in his six because the math doesn't work out if they all work. It's a good question. I, I would say it's probably it would have been. Um, I, I think it might have been Stingley. 
Right. That's what, that's what, where I would lean. It also could have been Trayvon Walker, too. I mean, from what I heard, right. you can't assume that every team that was going to pick number one overall was going to take a guy like that. And if he didn't go number one, that the other teams were going to consider him. I'm not saying that Walker's not going to turn out to be a good player, but I think when you look at his collegiate resume and the fact that the numbers weren't overwhelming, I don't think all 32 teams felt the same way that the Jacksonville Jaguars did and are willing to go out on the line and project like that. So who knows? Maybe it was a guy like Walker who didn't necessarily put up monster numbers in college. Yeah. And, my, and I, one last specious comment again is I hope the kid from uh, Maine, Andre Miller, the free agent wide receiver who is reported to be coming to us, the big kid who is, uh, you know, put up some great numbers up there, Charlie's son, I hope he at least makes the practice squad in the beginning and maybe gets some playing time this year because maybe – Maybe, pray God, it'll put Charlie in a little bit of a better mood this year. Well, let me put it this way, Tim, and we appreciate the phone call. If the Giants are making any decisions whatsoever just to appease Charlie, then clearly they have their priorities wrong and we're all in trouble. So, I mean, that's that's what I'll throw out, Jeff, in response to that. And every time I hear Andre Miller, by the way, I think of the NBA point guard who played a number of seasons. I don't know. That's all I think about when I hear the name (laughs) Andre Miller. I don't think football players. So, no disrespect to him, (laughs) but I think uh, NBA. That's what I associate. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, obviously, with the Charlie thing, I mean, I think any, any guy that makes the team that he, that he pulled for, we're all in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Correct. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I'm not wishing the guy bad luck. I, if, you know, I hope he does do does well. But for Charlie's case, I mean, God forbid if we got a guy that came from Maine that made the 53-man roster and Charlie told us about him. Oh, my goodness. We're in trouble. The other thing on a more serious note, though, and I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but hey, Tim wanted to analyze a hypothetical about which player wasn't on the top six for the Giants. So I feel more (laughs) than comfortable, Jeff, going with this next topic. But just if you look at the roster right now, Mm -hmm. the chances that an undrafted wide receiver, Jeff, has to actually make this roster. And once again, hey, they can wow you during training camp. I get that. But remember, we had these conversations the last few years when the Giants had a lot of depth. And then remember, everybody was disappointed. So-and-so didn't make the 53. I mean, think about it. If you're going to pick, normally you keep five to six wide receivers, Jeff. You're not keeping seven or eight. That would be very surprising under the circumstances. Well, look, look at who's in front of you. I mean, yeah. just start, well, and that's what I'm start the count. Correct. Okay. So, you got three that you know four most likely. I mean, Shepard's going to be on the roster. It's just a matter of when. You know, they might he might start on PUP because it's of it. possible. But remember, I'm not operating, Jeff. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh-huh. I'm not operating with somebody starting on IR or pup. I'm okay. operating that you're going to be accessible to have these guys on the field week one. That's how I'm thinking at least right now. Because remember, anytime you put somebody on pup or IR, of course it's going to open the door. For somebody else, but you just you can't think like okay, that. Okay, well let's let's take yeah. him off. I know four automatically. So then okay. you only you got three max that are going to be on the team that maybe you don't know about. I mean, you think about it. You got look at you got. Well, who are your four? Just out of curiosity. Well, you got. The, I, you I just want to make sure. I got Slayton, Galladay, okay. and I got Kadarius, KT, Tony. So that's three and three. But then I okay. got Robinson. Robinson. Okay. See, I'm putting Shepard though. in. okay, I wasn't sure whether you were considering Ro- Robinson a part of that. That's why. Yeah. Okay. And so, so if we put Shepard into that mix. We're at five already. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So that, I mean, th- uh, there you go. I mean, where, yeah. where, where are you going to find two more receivers? I mean, you got to have to, you're going to have to, but are they going to be an undrafted free agent guy? That's he's going to have to, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to make. And remember, you've got a lot of guys on the, not a lot, but there are some guys in this roster that played games last year that are still here. Sure. Now, they don't have an allegiance to the previous coaching right. staff. For example, right. like a C.J. Board and a Colin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Those are the two guys. But I'll throw another name out there. Oh, oh what about yeah. Robert Forster, who was signed in free mm-hmm. agency, mm-hmm. is part of the new regime. Mm-hmm. So you would think they brought him in because they see something in him, obviously. Yep. Right? Yep. That doesn't mean he's a lock to make the roster. But, I mean, that could very well be your sixth guy if you choose to keep six. And where so, do we always go with that back into the roster at the receiver position? Special teams. <laughs> you got to yeah. be able and that's to another cover reason kicks why. and make yep. some tackles. Exactly. Sure. So, so yeah. I mean, once again, I know we're very early in the game, but <laughs> I just found it interesting when the last caller brought up the chances of an undrafted guy making the roster. I know it was part joke. I get that. But it's going to be tough sledding for an undrafted wide receiver, no matter how talented they are, to actually make the 53-man roster this year. Yeah. Well, you know, a guy coming from Maine, you might be his uh, ultimate goal would be to be on a fifty-three man missed fifty-three man roster. 
but maybe a short-term goal for him would be to make the practice squad. At least that's kind of a stepping stone for someone like that, you know? Well, based on your Freudian slip, the 53 missed roster. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely right. That he doesn't have a very good chance of making the 53. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Well, I don't know. I thought maybe you were insinuating something there, Jeff. So No, I was just screwing up. That's what I was doing. No, but the yeah. way it came out, yeah. even though you screwed up the 53 missed roster. So that's the 53 players that had no shot to make the initial 53. That, well, we may have to adopt that. that. In terms yeah. of NFL language, oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. All right. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines as we move along here. Dave is in South Carolina joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Up, What's happening, Dave? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for everything you're doing. I've been loving the podcast lately. Um, well, appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. A few quick – yeah, absolutely. Just a few quick comments and one question. Um, first, real quick, Lance, just got to say, when you do the voiceover for the Giants era videos – I love it. It just does such a great job. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that as well. And thanks yeah. for picking up on that and noticing that. <laughs> the anonymous oh, individual yeah. no. behind the curtain. Yes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in regards to the draft, you know, like at, at first, I think like a lot of people, I was a little bit unsure of the picks. But, you know, I mean, when you think about it, it, it they're drafting players for a specific scheme. And, you know, it's like you can't. You can't draft someone as good as they are if they don't fit the scheme. And just like thinking of an analogy, like if I'm building a deck or something, and there's this beautiful belt sander on sale, even at a good price, like that that tool just doesn't work for what I'm doing. So it just I think it just takes time for some of us fans to realize, you know, certain players just don't fit the scheme. So I'm really happy with the picks. I think you know it's gonna be very exciting. Um, one thing yesterday too, just a quick correction. I think John and Paul were arguing over when. Michael McFadden was was picked, and they settled on the fourth round, but he was definitely a fifth-round pick, and that's what Paul had said. Um, right. But he's well, a guy that must have been, been a scintillating about. conversation <laughs> when they could have just looked at the computer screen and settled that one. Well, they both did. Oh, that's man. the sad part. I mean, they really argued over that? I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't mean to cut you off because I wasn't on the program, but I can't believe that was an yeah, argument, yeah. Pearson. It was because Paul had a poll on Twitter yeah. about his fifth and sixth round picks. Oh, my goodness. Who would, who would be like the like, Who was going to be your surprise from yeah. the fourth round? Oh, wait, down. Jeff, you were on the program yesterday, too? Yes. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't realize yeah. no, that. Okay. okay. So you're going to tell me none of you guys just looked at the computer to shut the two of them up and then stop um, that argument? I, 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 I wasn't about to <laughs> go there because they were okay. locked and loaded, and there was no way I'm getting in on that conversation. So I just sat I, there and listened like you normally. Do Lance, and that's that's all I did, and I let them shoot each other in the foot, and they did. Oh man, oh, I perfectly can't executed. That's what they argued over. Okay, I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> Continue. Yes. No, yeah. Thanks yeah. for the clarification, no, though. Yeah. <laughs> Props to Paul for for getting that right. But I, I was very excited about McFadden. Um, anyway, my question is, I just have one question. You know, we we address cornerback in the draft. I think Foss could be great, but you know, I was thinking this morning, like if if we don't keep Bradbury, that doesn't work out. Just if Adoree Jackson gets injured, I mean, what is our, our cornerback situation going to look like? And even like depth with center, like a, I think of uh, Max Garcia plays center. Uh, I'm not sure who else has, but like if Feliciana goes down, like what does our depth at center look like? So particularly those two positions, cornerback, like, I mean, injuries happen every year. You guys know this. We see it sure. uh, time and time again. But if we don't have Bradbury and Adoree it gets hurt, it sounds like we're in trouble. So I'll, I'll take the answer off the air. Um, thanks again, guys. Hey, you got it, Dave, and appreciate you tuning in. I want to answer that question, Jeff, but I actually I just want to piggyback off of his initial statement. He brought up a good point, and I think you were nodding in agreement as well, that it's important for individuals to understand, and I just want to once again expand on what he, I think, was scratching the surface of. Sure. When you have draft prospects and you look at how one team orders them versus another team orders them in terms of the rankings – you're going to find differences, and part of the difference may not be because they don't like the player or they were off the field issues. It may be that the way the Giants envision utilizing that player in their scheme sure. is far more valuable than how another team. So, for example, if you use Wandell Robinson as the example here, since that's an actual tangible player that went to the Giants, other teams may say, hey, we like the skill set. We just we don't think he's a good fit for what we're running. The Giants, though, look at Dable and say, oh, yes, we have ways that we could utilize him in terms of getting him out of open space, using him out of the backfield. Then all of a sudden, Jeff, a player like that increases in value because he's a better fit for the style of offense or defense, if we're talking about defensive player, that you're going to run. 100%. I mean, look at the tight end position, all right? 
uh, for the Giants. Look at, you know, was it uh, Bellinger, right? Is he the, the tight yep. end? Daniel Bellinger. Yep. He's, he is not a guy that's going to be flexed out and is going to be uh, an Evan Ingram for you. But, you know, uh, Ricky Jones Seals, he's a guy that will catch the football for you. He's going to be your guy that they're going to be throwing. But Daniel Bellinger has an upside to it. I mean, he, he doesn't, he's not a catching tight end, you know, per se, that a guy's going to catch 50 or 60 balls a year. He's your guy that they needed to have your hand in the ground, that has athleticism, that is a good blocker, and that they can they can at least a lot rely on him a little bit to catch the football. So you know, so what you do is you got to you're you're 100 correct, and each team has an idea of how these players are going to fit their system. I guess the other side of the coin is, is that when these teams say, "Oh, we draft best available." Well, sometimes that, that, that may not work, right? I mean, you might have, for instance, let's just say that Cordell Flott is a guy for the Giants that we, he really isn't that type of player that they would fit in that type of Wink Markendale uh, defense, but they still take him. Then they're going to try to convert him into something that he can, can play into that system. So I think there's a lot of philosophies that go into these players and where they're picked and how they're picked, but there's no perfect scientist, that's for sure. 100% going to sure. differentiate yeah, yep. from team to team. Mm-hmm. Now, the other question that was thrown out was the concern about the depth at center okay. and the secondary. So let's start at center first, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You've got, obviously, John Feliciano, who they brought in, and he's going to make the full-time move to center after mainly being a guard right. throughout his NFL career. So other players that certainly, I think, warrant some consideration. Shane Lemieux was cross-trained for center at Oregon. He didn't play it, but we spoke to Mario Cristobal last season, and he mentioned during practice, you know, they moved him around to center. So there's somebody you can certainly consider. Granted, I understand he's coming off the injury. Max Garcia is another one Mm -hmm. who I think has some flexibility, and I'm going to throw out another player, and this is a little bit of a tease because I just spoke to Mac Brown, the head coach of North Carolina. It's going to be part of the Giants Huddle podcast, yes, the Tar Heel Nation, which Mm -hmm. certainly you are familiar with. Jeff, and I asked him, does Azudu have flexibility to play center because he played pretty much everywhere else on the offensive line, and he had an interesting response to that. I don't want to give it away. It's what we call a teaser here in the industry, so they have to wait and see until the (laughs) Giants Huddle podcast comes out, but I wouldn't rule him out, perhaps, if you're going in your mind and thinking about options. Now, I don't know if there's anybody else, Jeff, that is appealing to you, but I do think they're going to have some guys that they could experiment. I wouldn't be overwhelmed in concern that they don't have some depth or options there. Well, one name that comes to mind, and I don't know how healthy he's going to be, but you got Nick Gates in there sure. too. So yeah. um, there's a guy where he's, you know, most likely we probably start on PUP and and they can kind of move through the the system until he's ready to go. But that's a, that's a name. Um, but there's, I believe, the way the Giants have brought in so many different offensive linemen. Not one of them are stuck in one position. They're all so versatile that they can kind of interchange them, and I think that was part of the process so that you can get into training camp and cross-train as you use. I love the word. Okay, Shane, move to center this series. Okay, boom. You move out of there. Move the next guy. Okay, Izudu, get in there and play center for us. All right, play right guard. You know, Mark uh, Glowinski, he's a little bit tired. Go right. Everybody's going to move around. And then they're going to understand where these guys can fit in. And I think that I don't think they'll have a problem. I really don't. And that's actually – I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff, because Brian Dable, I think it was in the final draft presser, he made it clear to the media, he said, listen, when we start going out there for practices and OTAs and mandatory minicamp – don't start jotting down who the starting offensive linemen were because I'm rotating those guys like crazy during this time of the year because we want to expose some of those players to positions that maybe they never played before. So I think if you're the Giants coaching staff, the goal is going to be you're going to move guys around, as Jeff just mentioned, and they're going to prepare themselves, God forbid, somebody does go down via injury so that you say, all right, hey, for a week or two in practice, we at least got them some exposure in terms of that department. Now, with respect to the secondary, Jeff, that was the other part of the question. Mm-hmm. If Bradbury does depart and Adoree gets hurt in terms of what you're left with, well, I mean, let's put it this way. You're left with a youth movement. I think I made this clear on a previous show. Totally. There are five or six guys that were drafted between 2020 and 22 that are part of the secondary. So, I mean, that's all you need to know. You're not going to have a wealth of experience that you're going to be able to turn to. You're talking about Aaron Robinson, and they think that he has some ability to play on the outside. You've got Darnay Holmes. You've got Radarius Williams, but he's coming off a torn ACL. 
You've got Cordell Flott, who you mentioned, who they just drafted. And you've got Dane Belton, who they brought in. Okay, so all those players I just mentioned, by the way, were drafted between 20 and 22. And McKinney is another guy that mm-hmm. falls mm-hmm. under that department. So, I mean, to me, the biggest concern in that group, Jeff, is you just you don't have a lot of experience with all those players that I just mentioned. Well, guess what? <laughs> This is the roster you inherited. This is uh, this is a point where you can't, you know, I think you were lucky enough to have Bradbury and Adoree Jackson on your roster at one point together. They both make a lot of money. You're, I don't think they're going to be together again. I think something has to give here. And I feel like, you know, that's just you inherited a roster that has a lot of problems, not only just on the field, but when it comes to cap and trying to be able to bring in free agency compete, you just you have to go with the youth moment. The other thing, too, is that we have to understand this team is not going to compete for a Super Bowl. We know that, right? So this is, there's, there's going to be some areas where you say, okay, we're just going to have to, we're just going to, have to you know, take it on the chin here for a little bit until we can get back into respectability as far as financially and then being able to work through the drafts and finding some guys. That's really what it is. No, I'm completely with you, Jeff. I would say under those circumstances, I don't know if I'd be as concerned in terms of options inside on the slot. I think your bigger yeah, you concern would be there. options on the outside. Yeah. That would be, if, if we got to that scenario, I think the bigger concern is how good do you feel about the perimeter? That well, would be the question. I also believe that if all of a sudden there's, you know, you're in training camp and you're having a little bit of difficulty in this, in this situation, there's always a free agent way to go to find a cornerback, maybe on the street, a veteran that can come in and take, take some uh, reps away from some of those other guys. Let's head back to the lines. We check in with Vinny in Florida here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Vinny? Hey, guys. Good to hear from you. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about the draft. Then I had some hypothetical situations I wanted to throw at you, get your, uh, get your uh, view on it. Seagulls, it's good to talk to you and Lance. Thank you. Um, but I first wanted to give a shout-out to my son, Anthony. He is kicking off his tackle football career today in St. Augustine. He's trying out for the um, Tacoy Creek team. It's the second year the school's existed, and he's coming in as a ninth grader, so he's really excited about kicking off that career. Very nice. Let's talk about the, yeah, let's talk about the NFL. Day one, I was ecstatic. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would give it a 10-plus that we got our edge rusher and our uh, right tackle. And uh, I guess the best-case scenario with all the linemen we brought in would be that Nick Gates and Shane Lemieux come back healthy, but they can't find time on the field because there's other folks better. I think that would be a good problem for the Giants, for Daniel Jones, and for uh, Saquon um, if, if that dynamic did happen. Wanted to throw out a couple of... Um, um, scenarios with you on on day two and day mainly day two draft did you want to take the scenarios and then and then respond or sure yeah why don't we do that why don't you lay them out and then we can respond yep yep okay first of all you guys called it several weeks ago that the that we were going to draft guys that fit schemes like you saw that robinson i think we see it in flood so it's excited let's see how how the team plays but as we went into round two, my first hypothetical is I see the Jets moved up and they picked up Jermaine Johnson with, I think, 27. So my hypothetical is maybe we try to trade into 24 or 25. It seems like we would just have to give up a fifth round and exchange third round if you're looking at equal. But go ahead and take Devin Lloyd. I think we need an impact middle linebacker. And that's the first question. What about going up and getting Devin Lloyd with, with going into the first round? The second question would be, if we went ahead and decided to make the trade back like we did, and we ended up picking number 43, David Ajabo was picked at 45. And when you look at the best available talent, would Thibodeau and Ajabo on the same line, on the same defensive create headaches for teams just wanted to get your thoughts on that where we did trade down that we would get pick a, a jabo instead of uh robinson and then my third um ask is in that third round we had an opportunity to get and i like the offensive lineman by the way but um we had the opportunity to get jelani woods i think that's his name the uh tight end, tight end. yeah he yeah. went to the colts yep yeah, he was the number one tight end taken, 
my thoughts on, hey, do we get a higher caliber tight end? It looks like we are getting another scheme tight end for the system, but um, I'll take my answers off the air. You guys great. Love your show, and uh, interested in hearing what your thoughts are. All right, Vinny. Appreciate the phone Thank call. You, Jeff, do you want to respond yeah. real quick before well, you have to I, yeah, I feel head like, out? I feel like a Jabo was a, I think that's a total medical call. And that's just kind of, you know, every organization is different as far as their doctors and their evaluations and things like that. So, you know, not knowing what the Giants medical staff thought about that, I think that had a lot to do with where obviously he was picked. Um, but I think that, you know, the Giants just have to make that call. And unfortunately, I mean, yeah, would, they, would that have been a great group? Absolutely. You know, just but how how is he going to come back from that injury is the big question. And I think he will. I mean, it's an Achilles. Guys usually come back and they're young and, that, and some guys heal up better than others. But, um, you know, the Giants just thought that, hey, listen, we got a, a, a better opportunity to pick this guy just because probably the medicals um, just maybe weren't where they were supposed to be. I'm just speculating on this, but that's kind of how that happens. Well, I'm completely with you. I would add the other layer to it in saying that I think the Giants' philosophy was we need players that are going to contribute right away. Even though the draft, as I always say, is about more than just one year, I think the Giants right now are in more of a position where they need players to step on the field in 2022, especially if you're going to pick them in the second round and take care of business. So, I mean, that to me... I think is a big part of the philosophy. And Jeff had to run, so I will finish out the show here as we move forward till the top of the hour. I'll continue to respond to some of the other hypotheticals that our last caller laid out. So, I mean, that's where I stand. And Jeff, I think, is also in sick with me with respect to the David Ojabo selection. As far as the Jelani Woods scenario, and this relates to a conversation that I've had with multiple co-hosts on this program, you have to go and look at how Brian Dable and the Bills utilize tight ends. Same thing with Mike Kafka and the Chiefs. Notice we don't talk about anybody other than Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. No disrespect to any of those other tight ends, but Kelsey's their main guy. Anybody else that they utilize is basically a blocker, or God forbid, Kelsey gets hurt, then they take on a bigger role. So the Bills were very similar. It was Dawson Knox was their main receiving tight end. Everybody else was pretty much a blocker. And I brought up on a previous show... I went through the 2020 snap counts, and in that year, no tight end played more than 44% of the snaps because Dable and the coaching staff just mixed and matched. So to go back to the hypothetical about taking Jelani Woods, if A, they don't look at Woods as a player that can help with blocking, and they only think that he could do one aspect, doesn't mean that he wouldn't fit the profile, but I think Woods is more of a player in the Colts' mindset. They didn't bring him in so he could be a player that's out there for about 30% of the snaps, especially since Mo Ali cox is their only other main tight end on the roster. I think they're going to utilize him, and he'll have more of a big role with respect to what he can do from a snap count perspective. I don't think the Giants are looking at saying, we need one guy who's going to play 95% of the snaps, and if we don't find him, we're going to be in trouble. And it goes back to Brian Dable also speaking after the draft, saying there's going to be some schemes where we have five wide receivers on the field and we may not even utilize a tight end. So it goes back to more bang for your buck. Why are you going to draft a player with that type of selection if you're not going to keep him on the field more often than not? So I think it's more a group element in play for the tight end as opposed to one guy doing all the heavy lifting. So that would be my response to... Jelani Woods. As far as the Devin Lloyd scenario, and the caller utilized the Jets as an example, where they had moved back into the first round to get Jermaine Johnson, could the Giants have done a similar thing? Well, keep in mind, if we're operating in the first round, the Giants don't have an extra fifth, and they don't have an extra fourth at this point, remember, because they did not acquire those picks until day two. So you don't have those resources to sacrifice if you want to move up. I don't think Joe Shane at that point said to himself, I want to give up limited picks when we want to gain more players' volume. So I would think that would be why you would eliminate yourself from making a move to get back into the latter part of the first round. And then as far as just adding another linebacker into the mix, as far as the interior is concerned, they wound up getting McFadden. And I think he'll be good insurance for Blake Martinez. But keep in mind, this goes back to the tight end playing time scenario. In today's NFL, if your interior linebackers are not going to be on the field for a third down scenario, let's say, 
then there's no point in utilizing an early resource to take a guy, just like an interior defensive tackle, if you're going to take him off the field on third down. So that would be one thing that you'd have to consider under those circumstances. They also have, I think, plenty of edge rushers to mix and match. So I don't think that was a big necessity, too, at that point, to be aggressive and bring in another linebacker slash edge rusher. So I would not fault them under that scenario for not utilizing what was limited resources at that point to try to move up. So I I don't think any of those scenarios warranted coming to fruition based on what the last caller threw out there because you either, in some of those scenarios, you were taking a player that does not fit the scheme or playing time or B, you were giving up resources to get to that player that you didn't have at that point. So I hope that that at least answers and tackles the different scenarios and hypotheticals that were thrown out there by the last caller. A few reminders here before we wrap up shop. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, you don't miss... You don't want to miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. You can call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com suites for more information. So that is going to wrap up Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll be back up and running again on Thursday at noon Eastern as we will continue to work our way through the end of the week. We'll continue to break down the draft, reaction to the Giants going to London to play the Packers, and by next week, we're going to know the entire schedule, so there will be plenty more to discuss, as I'm sure all of you are dying to speculate. You know it's my favorite topic about how challenging a schedule appears in week 15, 16, 17, and now 18, even though you have no idea what those opponents are going to look like, but I'm telling you, I can't tell you how much I'm anticipating that conversation because I know at some point we're going to be delving into it. All right, that is going to wrap up once again Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles, I am Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Thursday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.